And welcome back to Season 2, Episode 1 of The Freedom Highway, The Billy Sunday Show. Here on the podcast, we recorded live here on Sunday Studios in Bridgeport. Stream us live on Facebook, and we are going to also do a live stream on YouTube. Right now, I'm just going to have to post it because some technical difficulties, but it's all right. And it's free if you download CastBox. You can hear us free. It is January 5th, about 1 o'clock. Um, <clears throat> and we're back. And here is my uh, guest host, the beautiful Sasha Sunday. Ovel Sunday. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Appreciate you guys coming and being with us today. And we are here live. Exactly. That's that's perfect. And so we are going to talk a little bit about Sasha and her experience with art as a makeup guru and producer. And I want to take a minute to reintroduce the show to everybody because they might have uh, forgotten. But we talk politics Um, And I want to say right now that all the views on this are not, all the views here aired on the show are not always, um, always held by, by the good citizens of Bridgeport who allow, who I uh, film in, you know, there are some intentionally provocative things that I say, Um, but I don't want anybody to get confused and think that, that the great people of Bridgeport all think the same way that I do. They don't. So I'm just going to say that on the top. And um, because I do talk a lot of politics. So that's that's the show. You know, we talk politics and don't laugh. We do a little philosophy, just a little. I know it sounds it sounds silly. Sometimes people think, oh, yeah, philosophy. Like, like, really? Anyway. Oh, yeah, and we also have music, too, so that's nice. We do a little music, and somebody is checking in on our Facebook. Who is that? Oh, that's my guy, Abby Perez. That's right, Billy Sunday. What's up, bro? Hi, Abby. Abby, my guy. Um, today, the show is going to be art. It's going to be about art. What's up, Abby? What's up, bro? Today's the show. Today's uh, art and philosophy. We're going to talk about art. And is there a point to art? How can we philosophically look and interpret art? And what can we learn from art? And how do politics tie in? We're going to cover all of these questions and much, much more, including an interview. I would love to hear how politics ties into art. That's for sure. I know a lot of people probably would, and a lot of people would probably be really surprised at how how art ties into politics. So, why are politicians so concerned about their hair and their makeup and the slogans and TV commercials? And shouldn't the platforms that they hold on the issues speak for themselves? Isn't that what politics is about? the platforms and the issues? Uh, 
I mean, I think it is definitely about the platforms and the issues that's very important. But I feel like I think why politicians will look more into like their aesthetics and their makeup and, you know, what they actually look like is because that's their brand. That's how they represent themselves to the people. And that's kind of what that's kind of why they are so focused on, you know, looking good. Or if you're a Republican wearing your red tie, when you're about to go out and do a speech or a debate, you want to make sure you're in the right attire because everyone's watching. The world is yeah, watching. Of course. But is wearing a red tie really say anything about you as a politician? Well, to well, I mean, to America, it, it just might. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Barack Obama wore some red ties in his day. He probably did wear some red ties. And, you know, Barack Obama could wear anything and get away with it. That's just the way he carries himself. But I feel like it shouldn't mean as much, but sometimes it does. Sometimes it does actually mean more than we we anticipate it to mean. Because, you know, people in America, they they like to see people looking good. That's just mm-hmm. kind of the way it is yeah. right now. yeah. Very true. And I think that we kind of do let the way politicians look influence our uh, our vote for them. And I think probably one of the best examples of that is the uh, Nixon-Kennedy debate, which I'm sure most people are familiar with. And that was uh, John F. Kennedy debating Nixon for the first time in the 60s, and the people who were listening to the debate on the radio thought that Nixon won the debate. But the people who were watching it on TV thought that John F. Kennedy won the debate. Absolutely, because he was Because John stylish. F. Kennedy <laughs> was a young man. He was very stylish. And he was the Nixon, celebrity of the time. And Nixon, yeah, he John F. Kennedy was basically a celebrity. And Nixon wasn't as used to being on camera and was sweating. And John F. Kennedy just kind of stayed calm and composed. And even though he didn't really get in all the points that he wanted to on the issues, he won to those who were sitting at home watching him. So maybe that's what this show is. Maybe, you know, if you don't watch then you'll think that I'm the star of the show if you're just listening on CastBox. But if, <laughs> <laughs> but if, you're, if you are watching, then you'll know that Mrs. Sunday here is really the, the true star on the I show. I know. You kind of have that, that red shirt on and it's saying Billionaire's Club, so you just might be the star of the show. And it does say Billy Sunday, right? I did get an email from uh, one of our viewers that he wanted to know um, what what is it like to be in the Billionaires Club? Because I don't know if you guys can see, but here I'll show you on on the camera. <laughs> uh, you probably can't can't see it on Facebook, but um, right here on the sleeve it says Billionaires Club. I was just out buying a shirt, and it just MC so happened that it said M- Billionaires Club. So legendary Billionaires Club. I don't know what it means to be in the Billionaires Club because. I'm not a billionaire, <laughs> but um, I do have a shirt that says it. So that's kind of cool. People people like the shirt. And so po- politicians are supposed to be over being in the billionaires club. That's their job. Their job isn't to be in the billionaires club. Their job is to be a politician and to 
basically run the government, run the country, take care of its citizens. So is that what they're doing? I mean, like, is that really what a politician is supposed to do? Um, I mean, a politician is, is supposed to be someone who encompasses it all. Yeah. Yeah, That's why course. a lot of politicians, I mean, they hide you know, and they do things. You don't on have the to give me an answer. It's okay. Yeah, There's no, this I'm kind just of, saying. That's just okay. the way. Yeah. Politicians but do many it. politicians do fall prey to thinking that politics is all about being in the billionaire's club and they, um, egotistically self-aggrandizement, a.k.a. plastic surgery. I mean, there's a lot of politicians who wear, you know, real nice, you know, $100,000 whatever Versace suits and go to get plastic surgery and... Or even Michelle Obama. And have like three or four different wives or whatever, you know? So, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of that in politics. Even Michelle Obama, she actually um, was getting a lot of flack during uh, President Obama's campaign and where they were basically saying to her or saying about her, the fashion designers that she was wearing, her $2,000 dresses or $100,000 dresses, these big name designers were making these outfits for her and they're like, how could you wear something so expensive? But I mean, I think she looked amazing during the campaign and she still looks amazing now. And I think she was just doing her thing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. She, she does look amazing. Um, and I think she should run for president too, but you know, that'll probably never happen. And I mean, in terms of beauty, there are really a lot of ugly things in politics. The chief of which I think are really the current cabinet members, Ryan Zinke, who has recently resigned, making him the fourth cabinet member to resign in the last, I think, year or two years. Anyway, um, are these guys really politicians? You know, are they really politicians or are they just holding office just to make money and, and to grease connections and that's really, you know, kind of what happens if finds out, someone finds out that they, they, um, spent a bunch of money on their private jet or their yacht or something and they get in trouble. And I mean, that happens a lot in Connecticut too. It has the nickname Corrupticate. If you look Wikipedia, you've got Roland and a lot of those guys who have like, you know, half million dollar marble bathrooms that were paid for by you and me. But anyway, you are listening to the Freedom Highway, the Billy Sunday show recorded live at here at Sunday Studios on stream us on Facebook and YouTube. Listen free on the podcast app. It is Sunday, January 5th. It's about one eighteen. Anyway, let's go here into the questions of beauty and art. You know, we can get what do they really mean? A little philosophical in terms of art and beauty, um, mostly art. You're the one that knows more about beauty than me. As always, I consult the ancients when I have a question. I was recently reading some uh, Sarah Worth, the author of Plato, Imitation and Narration, A Look into the Narrative Effects of Literature. She writes that Socrates was cautionary about art and its effects on society. He, in the Republic, said that mimetic art was dangerous because of its ability to control people's emotions. And that I definitely think is true. You know, a lot of times you'll, you'll see some 
stuff and it's like real heartbreaking and heart wrenching. And then all of a sudden it's like cut scene, you know, and they're like sitting at a Dunkin' Donuts, like drinking a coffee and you're like sobbing, crying, like, you know, you want that to be resolved. It just kind of seems like a ploy just to, just to get you to cry or just to, just to become emotional. But, um, that, that aside, Plato in the Republic mentions the reason for this is that it is possible for someone who is an artist to represent certain virtues like being knowledgeable or wise or being just and not having necessarily any knowledge or being just or wise themselves. Yeah. So they can do that and mislead people. So an artist is kind of the same thing. And in obviously in the Republic in Plato's world, the only people who were really fit to hold these views were to deal with these issues of, of vice and virtue were the philosophers. Otherwise society could be corrupted at some point. Kanye or like I, I like to say Kanye West, he's the best example of someone, the real Kanye West, the Kanye West, is the best example of someone pretending to be virtuous or wise. But I mean, in reality, I don't think he knows as much as he might think. Um, what do you what He do knows. You? I think that like... Um with Kanye West, I think he does think he knows more than he does. But I think once he gets to a point where he doesn't or he knows that he doesn't know as much yeah. as he should, uh-huh. then that's the point where he's going to realize, OK, you know what? I still have more to learn. I still have more to teach. I still have some more growing to do. And I think that's just a place where he needs to get to right now is his place of learning and growing and, yeah, and just really, you know, bettering himself. That's Definitely got to know that you don't know. Yeah. I sure. think he's kind of come to that point a little bit. I mean, he has kind of come to that point in the last, I think, the last like couple months. He has come to that point where he's starting to realize that he knows that he knows not Kanye. So, and that's a good thing because I really like Kanye's stuff. I really like his early stuff, you know, uh, college dropout. I mean, come on. Those are some great albums right there. All the dropout albums, the college albums. Yeah, they were good. They were definitely good. So not everyone, though, thought that the arts were completely bad. Like Bob Marley says, reggae isn't all a bad. Some believe that they had a cathartic effect that you could release uh, emotions or sadness and find relief through the arts. And that is the idea of catharsis, which is just, you know, when you, when you see that sad person or the person going through kind of the same similar situation that you're going through, that you feel some kind of relief or some release by, by just watching it or being a part of it. That was Aristotle who took that view saying that art was an emotional release, especially for the sad Emotions. Someone else is tuning in on our Facebook. And that is... Who are you? Slav. What up, Slav? What up, my guy? Castbox Live. 
cast box. And so from the ancients, we move now into the modern era. Here we are in the modern era. Modern in terms of philosophy starting in like the 1700s, actually. Um, So, yeah, that's like the 1700s. And modern, we have uh, dealing with epistemology, which is how we gain knowledge, the study of knowledge itself. Mm -hmm. That would be relative knowledge relative to... um, how we gain knowledge about art, because if you're going to talk about what we can learn from art, then you're going to have to talk about how you learn anything in general and then apply that to art. And the three big camps at the time were the empiricists, the rationalists, and the romantics. To break it down real quickly, the empiricists thought that you gained knowledge through your senses, seeing, touching, feeling. The rationalist believes that you gain knowledge through the use of your reason, and the romantics believe essentially that you gain knowledge through your imagination, that the imagination plays a part in interpreting the world around you and creating, as it were, your own knowledge. So out of the romantics, there's a couple big things. One of them was the analogy of the organic, which is the longest lasting analogy, essentially, of how we acquire knowledge. It is based, in theory, on a dichotomy of subject and object. Mm -hmm. And we are the subject, and everything happens to us, to me. I learn And we are the human animal, the animal that is known as man, whose original innocence is lost by artifice, which is, I think, a a good term to go into when you're talking about art. And that is that reason is um, basically the ability to create artifacts. That's what humans do. Like, the human is a tool-making animal. I don't know if you've ever heard that, but that would be... No. No, I haven't. Like, we, the thing that separated us from the other animals was our ability to make tools. And if you've ever seen the 2001 A Space Odyssey, there's that beginning part where the one monkey takes up the jawbone and starts to break things and then goes up to the other monkey who was fighting with him for territory and smashes him right on the head with it. Oh my. And, and it's like all of a sudden then he becomes like, you know, the first link or the, you know, the original human. So that would be like the, the kind of analogy that a lot of people have with humans and our ability to gain knowledge is the creation of artifacts or artifice. Artificial, things that are artificial. Not necessarily fake, but something that is created by man. And for a romantic, that is something that takes us away from our real, loving, kind nature as human beings towards each other. 
And you have the opposite view, which is Thomas Hobbes, who was an empiricist who believed that we... He could also be considered a rationalist. He's basically just Thomas Hobbes, who believed that the human nature wasn't to be good to each other. It was a state of war among each other. I feel like that's so many people's beliefs, even nowadays. It is, yeah. I mean, but I think that, and then and then reason isn't isn't concerned with making or creating artifacts. For Thomas Hobbes, reason is the thing that makes us overcome our human nature and makes us enter into a, a social contract, if you will, and create the government. So, I mean, that the main critique there, I think, would be that he takes too too high of a view of reason and too low of a view of human nature. You definitely need a balance. Always has to be a balance. balance. Yeah. And I don't think human reason itself is, is responsible for everything that we have in the world. And I don't think that human nature is really so base and brutal. So... He, he he was also very rooted in dualism and dualistic thought himself. So, and uh, I want to remind everybody that we're listening to the Freedom Highway, the Billy Sunday Show, recorded live at Sunday Studio. Stream us live on YouTube and Facebook, or listen live on Castbox. Make sure you guys are listening live. Make sure you Facebook, listen live. Castbox, come out. Yep. And so we are um, leading up now to our contemporary issues of knowledge and art. One big issue has to do with moral knowledge. Some go so far as to say that if a work of art doesn't supply or give gives us bad moral advice, it is not real art. That would be the ethicist or somebody who looks at art through an ethical or moral light. Immanuel Kant was one of the preeminent thinkers. And I'm kind of sad that Shim isn't here today. Um, he, he's out, he had some, uh, he had some people that he really couldn't let down. Um, and wasn't able to make it today. So unfortunately, cause he would definitely call me out on some Immanuel Kant right now. <laughs> and say that I'm I'm really a huge nerd. Um, oh man! Because he likes his he's like a classic nerd. I'm like a philosophy Grateful Dead nerd. So I'll just call myself out. Well, at least you know. Yeah, <laughs> you could Emmanuel just not Kant. know and ignore it. <laughs> Emmanuel Kant was one of the preeminent thinkers of modern aesthetics. Um, Baumgarten in 17, I think 1760 around then was the original person to use the term aesthetics, which is essentially just a philosophical study of art or beauty. Entering into my territory, of course. Well, we'll get there (laughs) soon enough. Um, His view of modern aesthetics, though, is also very theoretical and as it is predicated upon dualism. If you remember, Kant has the, 
um, if you've, you know, taken any philosophy or if you listen to my show at all, I always talk about Immanuel Kant and that he has the thing in itself that you can't ever know a thing except by how you perceive it. And you can never know what the thing is in itself. So you have the world as it is in itself, and then you have the world as you perceive it as phenomena. So that's how he also viewed art. So it is very dualistic and very much based on the subject, on you, very, very egotistical based on how just a single person essentially creates the meaning of art for themselves. Martin Heidegger, who was one of the most notable critics of Immanuel Kant, first uh, kind of uh, brought this issue to light. He was one of the main ones. His view of modern aesthetics um, was a lot different from Kant. He is somewhat controversial, as he wrote in Germany in the 30s, and he was uh, actually a member of the Nazi party. However, how much that affected his philosophy is up for debate. Um, I mean, if you were living in Germany in the 30s, you were basically, you had to be a Nazi. Otherwise, I mean, everybody knows what the Holocaust is. They would basically kill you if you weren't a Nazi. So if you read his, his philosophy, it is very insightful and it is very deep and it has some really good critiques on the quote, moving us from the quote unquote modern era into a more contemporary era because Germany is so rich in philosophy and in the history of philosophy itself. It's kind of, it's kind of sad that he was, had to be a Nazi because he was just such a genius. But anyway, that all aside, he later came to point out that we find ourselves in art together in an original relation outside of the subject-object dualism. And that finding out exactly what this is could actually be one of the most important or kind of corrective endeavors for humanity to bring us through this contemporary era and to move us away from what he called a subjectivism because he suggests that aesthetics and our understanding of art in this way reinforces quote unquote subjectivism. Um, and you know what? It really is up to us as members of the human family in the race of man and womankind to understand the true meaning that art gives us. And that is part of the reason why I do love living here in Connecticut CT nutmeg state nutmegger for life everyone says that Connecticut has a great art scene and it you know it does and we've got a bunch of so really so many museums so many museums, museums so many great and there's some great really free museums I know in New Haven there's a couple ones at Yale that are free that are just have incredible pieces and then, you know, we've got all the theater and all the, the jazz and the music. And, you know, I just want to make sure that it's not taken over by these other more nefarious forces um, 
And I really do think that at times it is on the brink. We are on the brink of, of losing it. But we just have to keep soldiering on. We have to be very careful to guard our sense, I think, our sense of self as a, as a state here in Connecticut. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that for sure. We have to, Definitely. you know, hold it dear. It's we do have to hold it dear because, you know, a lot of people just want to make money off art. And as Heidegger says, he has a famous quote that says, for us today, art belongs in the domain of the pastry chef. And that we've just taken art to mean everything, that even the guy pouring the milk in your, your frothy latte is now somehow an artist. But, you know, that is kind of just a way to sell you more frothy lattes. It's true. Got to get your, uh, got to go to your favorite barista. Barista, exactly. <laughs> in order your, your grande juniper latte. So, which I don't know anything about. Mm. <laughs> All right. Anyway, Heidegger in the age of the world picture, which I think is a really cool title, the age of the world picture calls this, this aesthetic turn, turn of how we view art. One of the essential phenomena of the modern era, along with the withdrawal of God Art, he says, plays midwife to being and has the ability to shape our communal existence. So, you know, what is that? What is art? If it's not just me as a subject looking at an objet d'art, is, what is it that I find myself in relation to this art? Well, another nerd alert, John McMurray of Oxford University says that knowledge gained through art is a perfection of our knowledge of ends. So yeah, we would contrast art maybe with science as a perfection of our knowledge of means. And art would be something that shows us what we should be doing with our life, the goal that we want to do with our life. And the Freedom Highway, we talk a lot about John McMurray. We talk a lot about philosophy, the Billy Sunday Show. We are recorded live on Facebook and YouTube. You can also get us free on CastBox. It's about 140. Um, so, you know, now the sh- that's, that, that painful part is done of the show. <laughs> Just the philosophy, philosophical parts, you know. I know. It, the nerdy part. It's the nerdy part. <laughs> It's the nerdy part. It is the nerdy part, but hey, it's all good. Let's move on to to what you think, Mrs. Ovell. Um, welcome, you know, to the show. And I know you practice you. art all over Connecticut. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, so my name is Sasha Ovell Savage. And I am the lovely fiance of Billy Sunday. So I guess you can call me Sasha Sunday. <laughs> um, but I, I actually do practice art. I've been, I've been doing art since forever now. I mean, since 2003 that I can remember. Um, and I've always been very passionate about makeup and beauty and everything aesthetics 
and of course pink mm-hmm. as you can see my shirt is um bright pink for all the the people that are viewing and for the people that are just listening I have on a pink shirt and I absolutely love and adore the color but I think that aside beauty and aesthetics is just really something that holds dear to me because it's not just about um it's not just about makeup. It's actually about who you are as a person and how you see yourself in the world and, and how how great you want to be to others yeah. around you because that's so important. It's not just about, you know, looking good for being on camera or, you know, having that perfect red tie because you're going to be in front of a large audience. But yeah. it's also about the type of person that you are um, on the inside and reflecting that outwards. I know you had a blog that I saw a post on that. That was really cool. I liked how you um, talked about how pink is. you were, you know, told that you weren't supposed to wear pink when you got older, but you still wear it anyway. I I do. Um, well, I think it was more so like, oh, you're growing up, you know, you know, let's kind of just, uh, you know, see what else is out there. Explore um, other options because uh, for me, pink has always been my favorite color. And, um, I was just like, all right, you know what? I am growing up. Let me try it. What else should I, you know, look at what other colors, but as I've gotten older and as you get to know yourself more and, and understand who you are as a person, you start to realize that the things that you love and the things that you hold dear, don't just give them up just because you really have to find um, an opportunity to really just be you in that moment and, and really hold on to things that you really care about because that's important. So that's a little bit about my pink um, love cool. for pink. <laughs> cool. So what is the meaning that you put behind your art and your makeup? Um. For me, the meaning I put behind art and my makeup is, so Ovel is, of course, my middle name, and I use it as the brand of my business because, one, it's so unique in the way it's spelled and how it says, and I mean, you know, you don't really think of you know, when you hear Ovel, you don't see it very much anywhere. So it definitely brings a uniqueness to my brand. And it also, what I wanted it to represent is the uniqueness of the people of, you know, everyday people that you meet, you're so unique, you're such an individual. Um, And it's just kind of an eye opening for me, because you have to really see how important you are to the world. And me, having this brand is what I want and envision for people that, you know, really take to it is that you are an individual, you are beautiful on the inside and out and to really just take that and own it. And that's where beauty comes in on Ovel Beauty, which is the name of the brand is basically, you know, be beautiful on the inside be beautiful on the outside, but what really matters is how you treat other people and how you relate to yourself and the people around you and just how beautiful you are to them because it's not all only about being attractive. It definitely is not about that. It's more about how you are as a person on the inside, and that's what's important. Amen, yeah. Right. <laughs> 
I'm getting a little preachy. I, here. I, I know, <laughs> yeah, a little bit, a little bit. But we always we always appreciate that here at Sunday Studios. And I know that you do have a lot of different colors um, to bring out who you are on the inside. So why don't you talk about like foundation and and different stuff like that? Well, I mean, um, right now our the uh, brand is basically based on um, makeup brushes and how that plays into how you actually, you know, apply your makeup and applying foundation. And I know even just applying foundation and, and it just becoming more recently noticed was, you know, for women of color, um, it definitely has been something where it just wasn't talked about, you know, going into your local CVS or your local Walgreens and not finding a shade that actually represents you. But, you know, knowing that your dollars do count and your money matters and not going somewhere and being able to find that. And I've always found that that has been always something that for me has been very challenging to just go into a store and just not find a shade that looks like me, but seeing all the other shades that don't represent me. And I think that's where, you know, my passion for starting something like this um, definitely leads into that. Because, you know, if you go into a store or if you buy a, a shade of lipstick and it says nude on it, but nude doesn't look like you and, and nude is not who you are, it doesn't represent you, you almost feel like an outcast. You don't feel... Yeah like you're a part of something, you know, you you definitely feel unique in that where you're just like, you know, do does anyone want to represent who I am? Does anyone want to represent me? So right. you just got to take it into your own hands at that point. And I feel like a lot of Americans are really going through that. All different people and all kinds of walks of life. Yeah. We as a whole country, I think, are really kind of going through that. Your little struggle there of finding the right foundation. I think we as Americans need to find the right foundation. Yeah. I do. Be it not really just do. the shade, but just the, the basis, the, the base, groundwork. The basic, yeah. Lay your foundation on on, on rock in that <laughs> sand. And so I hear also that you have a personal story um, that you want to share with us. Um, well, yes, pretty personal to me. Um, I have... In my journey of finding out who I am as a person and self-love and, and all of that, um, I've lost a lot of weight um, and I am currently at about 50 pounds weight loss. And wow, congrats. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and it definitely <laughs> has been something where it was very challenging, but um, just going through that, that journey and going through that really opened my eyes to knowing that I have to take my health into my own hands and I have to treat my body respectfully and I have to make sure that I'm watching what I'm putting into my body and 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 just really taking care of me because at the end of the day beauty that's that's also all about beauty finding out what works best for you your health is very important to your beauty um the way you you the way you look the way your skin health looks the way wealth. how hydrated you are it definitely plays a huge role look good feel good yes absolutely look good feel good and that's so important so i think for me 
taking that change and that transition to my diet and feel good, look making good. it <laughs> look good, feel good, <laughs> and just making it an everyday part of my life and really exploring the vegan part of uh, my lifestyle now, which has been, you know, difficult at times, but very rewarding at the utmost of times as well. So definitely excited and happy for what we have in store for our future yeah. and right. um, vegan lifestyle <laughs> lifestyle changes mm-hmm. and it's all about that so no more chicken <laughs> no more no chicken more fried chicken although Keyshawn would probably mac and cheese and <laughs> lose his mind not hearing no more all chicken all the good food <laughs> I also hear that you're starting a new beauty line you did touch on it briefly do you want to talk more uh yeah on um, the beauty line yeah, so um, I'm I'm launching my website uh, January nineteenth on my thirtieth birthday, and I actually am launching my site and launching my business as well. Um, I definitely have been looking into a line of makeup brushes. Um, I definitely want to start there and kind of um, really catapult that because makeup brushes is what I use on a daily basis. Whenever I'm applying makeup or doing makeup, um, I'm just constantly using makeup brushes. So I wanted to to have makeup brushes made for me specifically uh, as far as like the best ones that I love to use. Awesome. That's yes. great. That is great. You do seem to really know a lot about beauty. Um, and I uh, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you. I appreciate being here. I know. I know. It was last minute. Um, and, uh, you know, I want to thank everybody also who is listening now. And stay tuned for next week's episode. We are going to talk about the justice in America. Not only the system, but just the whole idea. And also, you know, I want to say that you are the reason why. I do what I do. Anyone listening, you are the reason why. So stay tuned. Everybody keep listening and have a great afternoon. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.